The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Stocks may slide into Turkey Day. Futures, they are lower. Concerns about what else? Rising inflation and possible Fed moves moving the markets. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen stressing just how important Jay Powell's second go-around will be in combating rising inflation, her new comments ahead. The U.S. set to potentially release oil from our critical SPR reserves, but is OPEC set to fight back if we do? They're firing some fresh shots in the growing global fight for fuel. COVID concerns ahead of Thanksgiving, ahead of a major New Jersey hospital on the fears and some positive news. And speaking of the holidays, your morning RBI on what may be an absolutely Bonkers week taking shape for travel, airlines navigating a massive jump in flyers. It is all happening on this Tuesday, November 23rd, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan, and it is good to be back with you after what has also been kind of a crazy past few weeks, sort of globe hopping and show hopping. Let's jump right in and get a check on your markets and your money. Stock futures, they are down, not a lot. They are down a touch, about two to three-tenths of a percent, depending on the market. In fact, Dow futures, I stand corrected, now slightly higher as well. That's kind of be kind of the way it's going to go. Remember, obviously, Thursday is Thanksgiving. Got a half day on Friday, so very possible we see a slow in trading today ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday as well. Uh, just keep that in mind, which also can sometimes make the moves a little more volatile, right? Not a lot of volume so the price swing may move it. Dow futures up a touch. NASDAQ down just a bit. It was a mixed market on Monday. The Dow notching a slight gain. NASDAQ and tech, they were the bigger movers, down about 1%. Keep an eye on the small caps, getting a little bit smaller. The Russell 2000 actually fell for a fourth session in a row, although it's had a pretty good last couple of months. Bonds playing a role in that tech selling. The 10-year yield back above 1.6% with more voices coming out and suggesting the Federal Reserve may have to raise rates sooner than expected. Remember, that is not the so-called taper, the reduction of bond buying. That would actually be in good old-fashioned actual rate hike. And this is big. we got to check the price of oil this morning. Now, there are more calls from members of Congress to either ban oil exports or release oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve or both. And it looks like at least one of them is going to happen today. Sources tell me that an SPR release could come as early as this morning. And we are hearing maybe 35 to 45 million barrels coming out over a period of time, and it could be in conjunction with other countries. Again, <clears throat> that announcement could come as early as today. If and when it does, we will bring it to you. And, of course, the market reaction sources saying that that release, or at least an announcement of the release, is likely to happen this morning. Crude oil prices down 1.5% on that overseas down just about 1%. All right, let's go now around the world. A mixed session in Asia overnight. The Hang Seng, the bigger loser in the region, down over 1%. Let's get a check on the early trade in Europe as well. Again, 
Not seeing monster moves here either way, but we are seeing the move market down. Uh, what about six tenths, uh, two tenths of one percent, depending on the market? New COVID concerns there. Some regions of Germany may shut down for a couple of weeks, so just certainly something to watch. All right, now to this morning's top stories. Otherwise, Silvana Hanau is here now with some of those. Good morning, Silvana. Hey, Brian. Good morning. So the Biden administration says it has no plans to implement lockdown measures to curb potential future COVID surges. The White House's virus response coordinator shooting down that potential move yesterday as parts of Europe reinstate their own restrictions amid rising case figures. The administration instead saying it will rely on vaccines and therapeutic treatments to help fight another potential wave of COVID cases. Tesla is beefing up its legal department amid its ongoing fights with the U.S. government. The EV automaker has added former SEC and DOJ attorney David Missler to its ranks as managing counsel. This, according to Missler's LinkedIn page, Tesla has repeatedly faced issues with the SEC and other agencies over matters, including tweets by CEO Elon Musk, among other things. And Italy's antitrust authority has fined Apple and Amazon for alleged collusion. The combined $225 million fine centers around accusations the pair engaged in anti-competitive behavior around the sale of Apple and Beats products. Apple has reportedly denied the claim and says it plans to appeal the fine. Brian, back to you. Yeah, interesting news there on COVID. I mean, yeah. we hear a lot about the rise in things, not yeah. the drop. I'll exactly. give you a headline here. It's Maybe it's random, but interesting the decline in hospitalizations in Florida is down 92% wow. in three months. There are fewer people in the hospital from COVID in Florida than any time since the very beginning. So some very positive news there, Absolutely. although we'll wait to see what happens here with, Ex- the, with the winter exactly. weather. Silvana, thank you very much. You got it, Brian. Okay. All right. All right. It is that time of year again when Wall Street firms begin putting out their projections and their price targets for next year. So far, the ones that we have seen have been pretty bullish on stocks overall. For example, Goldman Sachs with a 5,100 target on the S&P 500. Popper Sandler, a little bit more optimistic with what we'll call the, the Van Halen target of 5,150. Maybe they're looking for the best of both worlds. Anyway, what does your first guest today think of all this and what is his projections? Let us find out. Michael Sheldon is Chief Investment Officer at RDM Financial Group. Michael, good to have you back on. Are you as bullish as Goldman, Piper, and others? Well, I don't know about all those uh, other forecasts out there, but I think we're moderately constructive for next year. And, and the reason is that ultimately we see a handoff from fiscal and monetary policy to the private sector. If you look at the, the state of consumers right now or the state of businesses, they both look pretty positive heading into next year. I think another way to sort of look at it is 2020 was all about PE expansion coming out of the downturn. And then if you look at this year, 2021, Mm -hmm. it was really EPS driven. So we've seen about a 45 percent growth in earnings per share. And as we look ahead to next year, we'll probably see some moderation. We'll probably see PEs sort of stable or roughly stable with this year. But we're likely to see upper single digit EPS growth, which should provide some additional upside in equities next year. Okay, so basically this year, it sounds like, was that multiple expansion that we hear about, the expansion of what the market would allow for price to earnings ratios, a little bit more comfortable, letting them run a little hot because of low rates and growth. Next year, going to be more of a fundamental story, actually looking at companies' (laughs) income statements and balance sheets and saying, all right, you had a year, let's see what kind of earnings you can throw down. Yeah, I think next year, again, we're not going to... 
The big story next year, well, the two big variables next year will likely be the Fed and inflation. And obviously, inflation has been top and center right now. On that front, our feeling is that um, while rates inflation right now is in multi-year highs right now, multi-decade highs, we're starting to see on the margins a little bit of improvement. And a couple of things for our viewers to keep an eye on. One is the inventory to sales ratio. Uh, over the past year, business sales are up 15%, but inventories are up less than half of that. And if you look at the business to sales ratio, which comes out every month, we're starting to see some stabilization and a little bit of a creep higher. The other thing I'd point out, and I think you've talked about this in the past, is the Baltic Dry Freight Index. This is a measure of shipping costs around the country. And coming out of 2000, the Baltic Dry Freight Index was around 400, and it shot up to over 5,000, which is hard to believe. But just over the past few months or so, it's more than been cut in half. So we're starting to see shipping prices come down a little bit. And maybe that's a sign, along with the business to sales ratio, that inventories are starting to catch up a little bit, which should take some of the pressure off inflation as we head through the next year. Yeah, also, the, uh, the I'll, I'll, I'll see you and then I'll raise you a bit, Mike. The Drury Freight Index, D-R-E-W-E-R-Y, not Mandy Drury. It's the Drury Freight Indirect Index. It's still well above where it was a year ago, but it is down about 15% from its peak. So you think that maybe, just maybe, the superinflation story is starting to cool off a little. Yeah, I think that's an important story, certainly. And, and the reason it's important is the two big variables, again, for next year are the Fed and inflation. If inflation stays around current levels around 6% or so or goes higher, I think that really puts the Fed more into play next year. And if the Fed becomes more aggressive in their policy, that could lead to a, a lowering or decline in P.E. ratios, which could lead to some market volatility next year. So those are two of the key things we'll be watching as we head through uh, the next several okay. months. OK, so bottom line is you are mildly constructive, but you're not out pounding the table with some massively bullish call in the markets because it's going to be more of a sort of normalized year. Fair to say? Yeah, I think there are plenty of risks out there. There's the Fed. There's inflation. Valuation levels right now are not cheap. But again, economic cycles typically last a number of years as opposed to months yeah. or quarters. So barring the Fed really stepping on the brakes, which we think is probably unlikely, uh, we think there's still moderate gains ahead in the new year. And, and the key is to be diversified. Uh, right now, we're overweight tech, healthcare, and financials, and yeah. we'll be looking for growth areas and opportunities. You know what? I don't even know what normal means anymore, Mike, but I'll take it. Next year could be the most boring year in the history of humanity, and I'll and I have no problem with it whatsoever. Just go back to just boring but normal. It sounds great. Michael Sheldon, have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Aren't we all ready for like a little just boring? I'll take boring. All right, we come back. Your morning's big money movers, they're not boring, including shares of one retailer taking a dive on the back of its quarterly results. That mystery chart, look at that. What in the world is going on? Plus... Shares of Zoom also on the decline as the end of the pandemic looks poised to hit the stay-at-home trade, darling. We're going to dive into the once-loved sector as all of us start to go back to the office. And later on, progress on the ongoing supply chain. What officials at this country's busiest ports are saying about the race to get goods off ships. You just heard a bit about it. We'll hear more, but only if you stick around. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. 
Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. Time now for your Big Money Movers. Three key stock stories of the day. Let's go. Stock number one, Urban Outfitters. Shares are the ones we showed you. The mystery chart getting crushed despite the retailer reporting some better than expected third quarter results. You had higher sales at its brands, Urban Outfitters, Anthropology, Free People, offsetting higher costs. Sales were driven by strong double-digit growth in digital versus a single-digit decline in retail sales, primarily due to low, lower traffic. So I apologize. I just gave you only positive news, but the stock is down 12%, and I'm gonna, I have no idea why. Stock's down 12%. Good was not good enough, but I just made that up. Stock number two, Agilent, the maker of the healthcare testing equipment and software reporting company, higher fourth-quarter profit on strong sales from diagnostics and life science business, but total revenue growth slowed. See, there we go. On the previous quarters, and the company is signaling lower and expected sales guidance for next year. That's why the stock is down. There you go. Plus, it's kind of a big story here. Comcast and Disney, the Wall Street Journal reporting that NBC Universal, our parent company, may pull much of its content from Hulu and make it exclusive to our streaming service, Peacock. Now, you've got to remember, NBC owns a third of Hulu. Disney owns the other two thirds. The journal says if NBC decides to pull its content, it would be removed by next fall. Of course, then you wonder... What does Disney do? If Hulu just basically becomes Disney product, then do they just move it all to Disney Plus? Seems like that could shift the streaming world just a bit. All right, somebody get Julia Borston on the phone, but not now because it's 2.30 in the morning. All right, still on deck. Samsung reportedly making a big investment in Texas, picking a new home for its $17 billion semiconductor factory, the city that will be housing that major investment still to come. Today's big number, 88%. That was the jump in electric vehicle sales this year through October over the same period in 2020, according to research firm Ward's Intelligence. That makes up 2.7% of the total car market. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. 
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, welcome back and good morning. Let's talk about coronavirus, COVID, maybe in a way that you aren't used to hearing because there has been a lot of talk about COVID cases spiking around the country and in Europe. And that is true, sort of. Because cases and hospitalizations are only rising now in certain parts of America and Europe. Cases and hospitalizations both crashing in California, Texas, and Florida. And Germany, which we hear a lot about these days, is actually seeing its outbreak really in just a few mostly unvaccinated pockets in more rural areas. There, like here, is a lot about vaccinations. And if you needed more proof that vaccines work, look at this stat that you probably don't hear very much. Overall, COVID-related hospitalizations across the United States are actually down 51% from a few weeks ago and down 43% from this same week last year. That's right, lower by half. Florida, down 92% in three months. They've never had fewer people in the hospital since the beginning. The warmer states, they got hit months ago when it was hot and everybody ran inside. But here in the Northeast, the weather is getting colder, which means we're all going to go inside as well again, which means experts think we, Northeast, New York, New Jersey, Boston, are next to get a rise in COVID cases because there are still a few million people in New York and New Jersey who are not vaccinated. Let's talk more now about that and how the area hospitals are preparing for any possible uptick over the holidays. Dr. Sharif El-Nahal is back with us again, president and CEO of University Hospital in Newark, New Jersey, doing uh, doing God's work, uh, doctor, and we do appreciate it. Um, I tried to make a somewhat positive point there about the efficacy of vaccines, that case counts don't necessarily tie to negative outcomes anymore, thank goodness. And it looks like you've got a data point that kind of lines up with that. At this time last year, you had about 50 patients in your hospital as of this week, only three. Some good news. I'd like that number to go to zero. Uh, what are you seeing? What are you expecting? Well, thank you so much for having me again. Uh, we are encouraged by the fact that last year we had multiple the number of patients in our hospital than we have now. Uh, but we're worried about increased cases. And unfortunately, we're seeing that in the Northeast and highly vaccinated areas as well. A couple of reasons for that. The first is waning immunity. So there's significant evidence now that after six months for Pfizer and Moderna, and certainly after two months for Johnson & Johnson, a booster is needed to actually prevent infection. Now, while those infections, if you get them while vaccinated, are much less severe, you can still spread it to vulnerable people. And the way that the epidemiology of this virus seems to be going is that the pockets of unvaccinated people that still exist sort of serve as super spreaders, spreading it to vaccinated people who have not gotten their booster yet. So we are depending on folks getting their booster so that we don't have an increase in hospitalizations again. And unfortunately, in New Jersey, we are seeing a higher and higher percentage of hospitalizations actually from vaccinated people. And we're starting to see also seniors be the fastest rising age group that is being hospitalized again. So we're not out of the woods yet, and we have to move on. We have to get folks getting their booster and getting primarily vaccinated if they have not yet. And we, we knew we were going to get so-called breakthrough cases. We knew that. There is no vaccine in the world that is 100% effective, with the exception really uh, maybe some small polio and smallpox. And even that, I would say, not 100%. So 
Uh, that in mind, are you seeing the breakthrough cases that come through your hospital being less severe? Because we all, the reality is, you, it's not about the case counts as much as it should be about the outcomes. Is that correct? Uh, that's becoming more and more the case. And yes, breakthrough infections are much less severe than infections that for folks who have not been vaccinated yet. However, we are starting to see a trend where folks who have been vaccinated but were vaccinated more than six months ago do have more severe disease than they did when they came in three months ago or a little more recently than that. And so it is important for everybody to get the booster. Every adult in this country should get a booster. Talk to your doctor, just turn back the clock, see when you got your primary vaccination. We have to move on from this. We've seen over 3,000 overdoses in our community. Our hospital is filling up with people who've delayed and deferred their care. We cannot withstand another COVID surge anywhere near what we saw in 2020, unfortunately, but also even the winter peak that we saw last year. We just cannot handle it. And I think that hospitals across New Jersey and the Northeast and certainly across the country we have yeah. seen significant surges like Michigan cannot handle this if folks don't behave responsibly and get their booster. And I know that uh, I'm going to say a dirty word on the air, doctor, which is seasonality. I know that last year you couldn't even talk about it. It seems like people are coming around a little bit on that on that idea that, you know, you kind of go in these seasonal waves when people go inside, whether you're in an area where it's so hot, you have to be inside for air conditioning. Florida, Texas, Arizona, Nevada in their summers, their summers are kind of like our winters. You know, everybody flees indoors. What are you expecting from this winter? Is it going to be as severe as last one, or are you expecting a more mild one from a case, an outcome perspective, but still some kind of a, a fourth wave or third wave pop going into the new year? Well, everybody expects to see an increase in cases. But as you alluded to earlier, if people are fully vaccinated and have gotten their booster, they can still gather with family this holiday season safely. And we will not see that translate into severe cases or hospitalizations. If people delay their booster, uh, say, listen, I've had two and I'm done, uh, and still gather with family, still gather with especially unvaccinated people, we will start to see hospitalizations rise again, just as we're seeing in the state of Michigan, which is a pretty highly vaccinated state. And so again, I think we cannot afford to turn backward. We have to move on with what I can't even credibly call an aftermath yet because we're still within this, but the aftermath in public health in our community uh, is something yeah. so significant that we really need folks to do this. Dr. Sharif El-Nahal, CEO of University Hospital in Newark, uh, just praying that next, this year will not be as bad as last year. But again, thank you to you and all your team who've just, uh, they deserve about a two-year vacation once we get to the other side of this. So thank them and happy holidays and happy Thanksgiving to all you and your staff, doctor. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. Let's get now a check on some of this morning's other top headlines outside of money and business, including the continued disbelief and mourning in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Some kids still remain in critical condition. NBC's Francis Rivera is here now with that and more. Francis. And Brian, good morning. Yeah, the community in Waukesha, Wisconsin, in a state of shock after the five people were killed and more than 40 people were injured when that SUV drove through its annual Christmas parade. The town holding a candlelight vigil to show support for the families grieving the loss of loved ones. The five who were fatally injured included a bank employee, three members of the Milwaukee Dancing Grannies, and another member's husband. The group was performing at the time.
The suspect, 39-year-old Daryl E. Brooks, was taken into custody shortly after the crash, booked on suspicion of five counts of intentional homicide. The House committee investigating the Capitol riot is zeroing in on more allies of former President Trump. The January 6th commission issued subpoenas yesterday for five witnesses who they say helped organize the rally preceding the siege on the Capitol. Among those on the list, former Trump advisor Roger Stone and far-right radio host Alex Jones. Both men spoke at the rally. Stone said, quote, any statement, claim, insinuating or report, alleging or even implication that I had any involvement in or knowledge about the commission of any unlawful acts is categorically false. Stone says he and his legal team will determine how to proceed after the subpoena is served. A lawyer representing Jones did not respond for comment. Last week, former Trump advisor Steve Bannon was indicted by a federal grand jury and charged with contempt of Congress for refusing to comply. The NBA handing down punishment in the wake of Sunday's on-court incident in Detroit for what the league said was escalating the altercation after James hit Stewart in the face during a free throw. Pistons coach Dwayne Casey said Stewart needed eight stitches after the hit. Both will be eligible to play when the Pistons and Lakers rematch in Los Angeles Sunday. Okay, before you gobble up that Thanksgiving turkey, an annual warning from firefighters. Do not put your frozen turkeys in the deep fryer because that is what's going to happen. Firefighters in North Carolina put together that demonstration. They say it is a recipe for disaster. A frozen turkey can spill boiling oil out of the fryer, possibly starting a fire and causing all kinds of injuries. So a reminder, don't throw that frozen turkey in that big pot of hot oil, Brian. Also, a reminder... You better start thawing that turkey right about now, Brian, if you want that turkey on the table. Yeah, that's a that is news that we can use. I will say that I'd never thought about throwing a 20 pound frozen turkey into a giant boiling pot of. But, you know, maybe after a few cocktails, you know, in the morning with grandma and grandpa, people. (laughs) People do weird things. Well, that's Francis. what gets people in trouble, especially when it comes to a certain kind of conversation at the Thanksgiving table, too, that you want it's to stay clear from. It's, it's not thawed yet. Don't worry about it. Just throw it in the bucket. <laughs> Just go. Make it quick. I'm hungry. Lions got to lose again. Francis, thank you. Have mm-hmm. a great day. You and too. happy Thanksgiving if you don't see, don't see him. All right. All right. Still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange. Some tech taking it on the chin. Some of the sector's most high-profile names once again face a major sell-off. Wed Bush's Joe Kalina is here to lay out whether the recent rebound has hit another wall. And if you haven't already, a reminder, follow our podcast. It's called, you guessed it, Worldwide Exchange. It's on Apple, Spotify, and all the major platforms. Dow Futures, they're turning around. They're in the green. We're back right after this. A Tuesday turnaround? Maybe. A rebound in Treasuries taking the wind out of some of tech sales, but the Dow seeing more signs of life, and that trend looks to continue right now. Relief at the ports. Officials at this country's busiest shipping complex is offering optimism on their efforts to ease the supply chain crunch. And your morning RBI, and maybe no relief for all you flyers hoping to avoid long lines and delays at the airport this week. We'll tell you why. It is Tuesday, November 23rd, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange. Welcome back, everybody, and good Tuesday morning. It's 532 on the East Coast. Here's how your money and the global markets are setting up their day. Stock futures, eh, they're kind of like the markets yesterday. They're mixed. You got the Dow going up. You got technology going down as well. The Nasdaq actually down about 1% yesterday. Kind of a big move 
for tech Dow rising slightly. And that's exactly what we're seeing with the futures. Dow futures up a couple of points. NASDAQ futures down 42. By the way, the Russell 2000 also fell for the fourth straight session in a row. Small caps have been on a tear. Kind of cooled off a bit on, on Monday. Well, really the last four sessions. Also, cooling off lately, the cryptos. Now, Bitcoin is up a little bit today at 57,400. Ethereum at 4,200. But that massive recent rally stalled out a bit as of late. We're, we're down about, what, seven or 8,000 off the peak on Bitcoin. Also stalling out lately is the price of oil. Now, the price of oil right now at about 75 and change here, just above 70 overseas. It's after running above 80 recently. You've got more calls from members of Congress to either ban oil exports or release oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve or both. And it looks like at least one of them is going to happen. Sources say that an SPR release announcement could and likely will come as early as this morning. And we are hearing 35 to 45 million barrels potentially coming out over a period of time. And it could be in conjunction with other nations. India this morning, for example, announcing a 5 million barrel per oil release. So there is talk it will be in conjunction with other nations. But again, that announcement could come as early as today. If and when it does, and I'm told it will, we will bring you the reaction and some of the analysis around whether or not that move was a good one longer term. Well, if and when that happens, it would be a big story. But there are also other big stories happening this morning as well that involve higher prices, including Janet Yellen's latest outlook on some of those price spikes still gripping America. Savannah's back with that. Savannah. Brian, so Yellen says Fed Chair Jay Powell will have an important role in fighting inflation with the second term as a central bank chief. Speaking with Closing Bell yesterday, Yellen said the Biden administration is doing everything it can given the severity of rising prices for a wide range of goods. I think we do have to be concerned about inflation. Um, it's reached a level that concerns um, most Americans who are seeing it in their pocketbook when they um, go to the store to buy food or to uh, fill up their cars at the pump. I think it's uh, partly a reflection of the fact that pandemic has had a severe influence on in our economy. Amid ongoing price spikes and supply chain crunches, the heads of this country's busiest ports say they're seeing progress in getting goods off ships. The executive directors of the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach say that since last month, they've seen a 33 percent drop in the number of aging cargo on their docks. The pair also announcing they will once again delay fines on carriers who are unable to move their containers. And Samsung has apparently picked a home for its $17 billion chip-making factory right here in the U.S. According to reports, the company has chosen Taylor, Texas for the site of that new facility. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is expected to announce the decision at an event later today. The investment by the South Korean tech giant comes as the Biden administration pushes to expand America's semiconductor production. Brian, back to you. Well, more good news for the Texas economy, Savannah. Yeah. Thank you very much. You got it. All right. All right. Back down to the markets and your money and a big focus on Zoom, really a company that nobody had ever heard of two years ago, suddenly dominating our work lives. But if things finally cooling down, that stock is well off its highs. Let's talk more about it and technology in general. Joe Colina, head of technology and media trading at Wedbush Securities. Joe, good to have you back on. Uh, what's Zoom's 
long-term future. With all due respect to that company, you got more competition with Teams and WebEx and others. But everybody I know is zoomed out. They never do another yeah. Zoom again. I'm not, it may be too soon. What's the, what's the outlook? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, a year ago, we kind of talked about the fear of being at, at peak Zoom and f- Zoom fatigue setting in. And here we are a year later. And the growth story is completely dead. Uh, it was we, we saw the lowest upside surprises in revenues, EPS and EBITDA. Uh, since they've become a public company. Uh, we saw the lowest uh, net customer ads in, in over three years as well. And, and you mentioned Microsoft Teams. They are the 800-pound gorilla, which is coming after them uh, with aggression. You know, Microsoft told us in July their monthly active users are up to 250 million. And we also know that they're already planning to work with, with Facebook or the Meta or whatever, whatever they're called now to kind of see what maybe, you know, what the wor- remote workplaces can look like in a, in a virtual world as well. So, Microsoft is investing heavily, and they've said before they plan on going after uh, Zoom with all they have and, and eating their lunch. So Zoom, I would not be. I'm, I'm in the camp that rallies are to be sold versus buying the dips. I just think where the, the story has uh, has done a complete 180, and, and there's no growth, and hence the valuation is probably still too uh, you know still too steep, even with the stock down another eight percent today. Yeah, you know, and I guess the hope there, Joel, would be that there is going to be this this model, this hybrid model, at least in many markets for a while. If you go down south, a lot of people are back in the office. But in the northeast, a lot of people are pushing back. Will there be a market for Zoom longer term? It's not going to be what it was, obviously, but we're not going to delete the app off of our phones or our computers, are we? I mean, there's still going to be uh, a, a sort of a hybrid situation where video communications have a role. Exactly. And, and, and 100 percent. But I think uh, the difference is, as you said, and I think a bigger I mean, in, in fairness to Zoom, I think their churn this past quarter was a lot better than many expected. But I think with smaller customers becoming a lot bigger piece of the total revenue pie, that is going to lead to a very volatile metric in, in, in terms. You're going to see churn go up and down. How, how are analysts and, and investors kind of going to try to value this? And I'm going to say the stock's just going to it's going to lead to a lower, lower multiple. And eventually, once kind of we even moderate the growth story fades kind of further, you're going to see the stock start trading off the EPS. And then the debate will more shift to margins. And as kind of we, t- we discussed before, that's where Microsoft comes into play. And, 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 and I think you really could see mm. severe margin erosion in the years ahead for a story like Zoom. And, and sort of like Peloton, they've almost just become a victim of their own success. The growth was almost too explosive, too fast. And now they're just they're, they're, they're struggling yeah. to live up to the Wall Street hype, which is uh, almost impossible to do. Well, we're showing Microsoft on the screen. And, Joel, you, you have something really fascinating in, in one of your notes recently, which, you know, you think about a marathon, you know, sort of the, the last part. You got maybe three runners just cooking it. And then one of them kind of drops off and then two just go on. You think that those two top runners are Microsoft and Google because they still have huge growth and they still have good margins. And you think Apple just, you know, as as amazing of a company it is, might be getting a little bit left behind here, at least in relation to Microsoft or Google. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think you, Al- Alphabet's one of those kind of rare, not rare stories, but, you know, I think if you pull back, you know, you look back five, 10 years, it has been an underperformer within the large cap growth complex. Microsoft's transformation has just been, you know, kind of, you know, out, out of this world, uh, you know, what Nadella has done over there. But as you said, I think you, you check the boxes, Microsoft and Alphabet, they got, they got elevated margins, enormous scale, and just impressive growth. 
which is showing no signs of slowing. And they continue to innovate and, and benefit from secular trends. And, and that's what those, where those stories kind of come together. And they really separate themselves from some of the other larger cap growth names. I think NVIDIA, you know, what they told us last week can kind of, uh, you know, can probably potentially be added to that bucket. My only concern with NVIDIA is some of the recent activity really reeks of kind of a retail uh, footprint and, and punt options that we've been seeing in that name. Um, but I think in, in terms of the sec- names that are growing from, you know, secular growth, scale margins. Microsoft and Alphabet are just kind of unparalleled in that universe. And what's wrong with the payments companies? I mean, everybody talks about the future of finance and fin- people yeah. throw around the term fintech, financial technology, like they're throwing around, you know, talking about the weather, but yet yeah. investors don't seem that interested largely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's also a function of this market. And uh, we haven't seen stocks that haven't, say, you know, haven't performed or they're disappointed and they haven't made investors of money for a long, long time now. There's just no appetite to, to jump back in. So whether it's a PayPal and a sort of a desperation deal going after pins, and then you look down further further down the scale, FIS, GPN, Fiserv, you know, earnings season for these stocks was very underwhelming. And you can you can blame it due to a choppy recovery, um, just a, a corporate you know travel you know pause or a very slow return to that as well. And and then they also throw in the BNPL, I'm sorry, the buy now, pay later kind of explosion as well, um, which is kind of disrupting the multiples and, and, and creating, you know, disrupting disruption on that side. You just lead to a group of stocks. They're not value. They're not growth. And they're sort of in no man's land and investors are completely shunning them. So I would I wouldn't I have no interest as well is chasing stocks that have underperformed to this degree. And unfortunately for us here at Webbush, video games also kind of fall into that camp where they're kind of just in no man's land in, in terms of having any sort of factor identity. Joel Kalina, Wedbush, really interesting there on the payment companies, why Microsoft and Alphabet slash Google might be passing Apple, and of course, the Zoom gloom. Joel, it's a pleasure to always have you on. Have a happy Thanksgiving, a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take care. All right, thank you. All right, coming up, your morning RBI. We're talking planes, trains, and automobiles, mostly planes, and maybe an ultra-long wait to get to Grandma's house. All right, welcome back. Time now for your morning RBI, something random but interesting that you may not hear anywhere else. And today, let us talk travel, because if projections are correct, it's going to be a bonkers week for flying, with millions of you heading to the airport to go see friends and family. And while we hear a lot about a jump in COVID cases, the reality is that most people aren't letting that impact their travel behavior very much or at all. Look at some of these revealing stats from research firm Cowan & Company. First, They ask people, quote, at what point in time do you believe you will feel 100 percent safe to resume traveling via airplane? Nearly 30 percent said when one month or less. So basically now. And that is up from just 7 percent who answered the same way back in June of last year. Fewer people said 12 months or more. So in other words, it's getting more optimistic. And keep in mind, the question was 100 percent safe. I mean, I've probably flown 50,000 miles in the past 12 months. And while I do it, I can never say I feel 100% safe. And this optimism is being felt in the numbers. Because if you have flown recently, and it seems like the airports and the airplanes are packed, they are, Cowan notes that TSA numbers are getting very close to overall pre-pandemic levels. And keep in mind, that is still with very few international flights. It's almost all domestic. The bottom line is this. People are out. They are about again in a big way. 
And with so many missing Thanksgiving last year, this year may be bigger and better than ever. So get jabbed, get tested, and go see Grandma. But I'll say this. You couldn't pay me to fly this week. With concerns about TSA worker issues and crowds, get to the airport about three hours early. I'm not kidding. Random, hopefully useful. All right, travel woes will probably be a trending topic in a day or two. But right now we've got some others, which include NFTs of some classic balloons, a very pricey real estate market, and Taylor Swift breaking a record. A long time, literally a long (laughs) time record. Savannah, back with those. Yes, Brian. Brian Macy's is getting into NFTs. It's going to auction off 10 NFTs of its Thanksgiving Day Parade balloons, including the iconic Macy's star and Daxon balloons. The retailer saying it's getting into the digital asset market to celebrate the parade's 95th anniversary. All the proceeds will go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and bids for the videos currently stand between three dollars and $5,000. The Manhattan real estate market just recorded its best week in at least 15 years. That's according to a luxury market report from real estate firm Ocean Realty. More than $600 million in contracts were signed in the New York City borough last week. That was the largest weekly volume since 2006. The biggest deal was a townhouse listed for $29.5 million. And here's something Taylor Swift will remember for a while. According to Billboard, Taylor Swift's 10-minute and 13-second long song, All Too Well, has become the longest number one hit ever. The song replaces Don McLean's American Pie, which held the title for almost 50 years, but clocks in at only 8 minutes and 42 seconds. Brian? What are, what are, what are your thoughts on such a yeah, long song? <laughs> well, I love American Pie. Long, that's, long time yes, ago. That's a very good one. I can still remember how the music used to make me <laughs> smile. There we go. So congrats to Taylor Swift. All right. Yep. Savannah, thank you very you much. On deck, RBC's Lori Calvacina is here. Is she optimistic about stocks in 2022? Her projections ahead. And a reminder, if you haven't already, check out our podcast. It's available on all the major platforms. And we are back right after this. All right, welcome back. It is that time of year again, not when you're buying turkeys. You're doing that. Well, hopefully you have already. But when Wall Street firms begin putting out their projections and their targets for next year. So far, the ones that we have seen have been pretty bullish on stocks overall. Goldman Sachs with a 5,100 target on the S&P 500, about 10% upside. Piper Sandler, more optimistic with what we'll call the Van Halen target of 5,150. So what does Lori Calvacina of RBC Capital Markets think? Well, let's find out and bring her in. She's head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC. Lori, good to have you back on. What is your projection for 2022? Well, well, thanks for having me on, Brian. It's always fun to be here. And look, it's forecast season, and we've come out with a number that you know is not quite exactly in line with the others, but pretty close with a few of them. Um, 50-50 is our number for next year. And, you know, we sort of look at a few different models and back tests. I would say a lot of our economic models are actually saying the upside could be a little bit more, a little north of 5,100. Our valuation-based models, which most of which look at stocks versus bonds, are pointing us more to 50-50. So we started out with a little bit of conservatism to the year. Um, but look, we think it's going to be a good year next year. We think it's going to be a little bit more difficult, a little bit more challenging than what we've seen this year. We won't necessarily go up in a straight line. Um, We are are going to be very balanced in terms of positioning trades. We expect some zigs and zags there. But overall, we think it's going to be another good year for stocks. 
That's a pretty good target, 50-50. I mean, think about it. What is that about? Eight, <laughs> uh, my math, 8, 8%, 8.5% return, plus throwing a little dividend yield. You could get the 10%. You could. And look, I think targets are rough estimates, right, is how we see the world unfolding now. That's why, you know, strategists are always making revisions, making tweaks as the year progresses. But I will say, you know, you mentioned dividend yields. And one of our tests that looks at stocks versus bonds, we actually look at the dividend yields of the S&P 500 companies and the percent of companies that have a yield in excess of the 10-year Treasury. And that's been in the 40 to 50 percent range. That's been actually, strangely, a very good indicator on a 12-month forward basis of how well stocks are going to do in the year ahead. And that model is pointing us to about an 8% return. Um, we think it speaks to the appetite of retail investors. And we also think it speaks to the fact, you know, that while many asset classes are overvalued at this point in time, stocks are still the best game in town. And when we look at stocks, I know the Russell 2000s had a, it's on a four-day losing, oh my gosh, four-day losing streak, right? But it's, it hasn't gone down much. It's had a nice run. Looking at your research, Lori, it looks like you are more optimistic on the smaller caps than the larger caps. Is that true? And if so, why? It depends on your time frame, but I would say we think the next big leg up in the market is for small caps and value to outperform. We've called it values last hurrah, small caps last hurrah. We think those kind of deeper undervalued cyclicals will do well through the middle of next year ahead of Fed rate hikes and ahead of markets starting to anticipate a slower economic recovery in 2023. But next year, the consensus data is still calling for a 4% GDP year. That's typically when we see small caps outperform. That's typically when we see value outperform when GDP is tracking above GDP. And when we're going into Fed rate hikes, usually small caps don't start underperforming until well after the rate hikes begin. So we think we've got some room for those trades. And look, I'll say just on the recent price action. You know, last week we were talking about how small caps had just made this sudden breakout, had been hitting new year-to-date highs. Um, I think that's because investors were really queuing off the broader economic mosaic and the inflation data. Small caps tend to do well when inflation expectations are rising. But I have heard over the last, you know, four or five days, a lot more focus on the COVID flare-up, which I think caught investors off guard. And I think that's probably depressed small caps a little bit in the short term here. Yeah, and I know that, again, you know, not to be a broken record on the positive side here, but hospitalizations in the U.S. are down 52 percent in the last couple of months, actually. So we get focused on cases, maybe focus more now. Anyway, nobody cares what I think about that. It's just data anyway. Is there any part of the market that you dislike, Lori, that you actually just say (laughs) putrid? Stay away from it. It stinks. I wouldn't say putrid, but, you know, one area that's been coming up in conversation the past few days, you know, as we talked about, we're in outlook season. Um, You know, REITs are an area that we're underweight on the real estate sector. And it's been an inflation hedge. Um, You know, investors have made some nice money in that space this year, but it looks wildly overvalued to us at this point in time. So we think there are better ways that you can play inflationary pressures, small caps being one of them. I mean, I would say another underweight we have is communication services, um, you know, which has the Internet names, media, some telecom in there. And, you know, we haven't had a great read on that space from our Internet analysts at RBC um, and some of the survey work we've done with our Mm -hmm. analysts. He's been a little bit cooler. Um, And also we see policy risk. We don't see particularly compelling valuations. Now, we have told investors to say balance between value and growth over the next year, um, but we do it in tech, not comp. RBC's Lori Calvacina, 50-50. Are you going to get all the jokes? I can see both sides of that price target. Ha ha. Lori, it's a real pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. (laughs) You haven't heard it yet? Happy Thanksgiving, Lori. Take care. Appreciate that. You you just did.
You just did. All right, thanks. We'll see everybody tomorrow morning right here on Worldwide Exchange Squawk Box. The gang picking up the coverage next, and I'll see you in about two minutes as well. See you after this break. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.